Okay, okay, okay. Check one, two, and we are here. Here we are again, another episode of the Table Podcast. Hope everybody is doing well. It's raining. It was raining this morning. Yeah. I wasn't expecting it. It was raining cats and dogs. It was. I almost stepped in a poodle. <laughs> yeah. Do you get it? No, I just joke, told it. Yeah. I just told I a joke. joke. When I tell a joke, can you at least laugh? We need, yeah, we need Here's to have... the thing. You guys are like co-hosts, and every time I get into oh, deep water, you leave man. me alone. You I know. talk about redheads, you look the other way. No. I tell cheesy jokes, you look the other way. <laughs> like what? Oh, Seriously. Man. This is what it comes Sorry. down to. Yeah. Hope everybody's doing well. It's been a great week. I uh, hope you're enjoying the podcast. Um, I just want to say thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for Sharing and telling your friends uh, means a lot, and uh, we're going to keep this thing going and growing. And um, you know what's been bothering me lately? Hmm. I've been seeing, you know, I just, I don't know, sometimes it helps me to uh, process my pet peeves if I talk about them. Talk about it. I've been seeing people post on social media when they're at the gym, mm-hmm. they like hashtag let's get this bread. <laughs> you seen people do this? No. Okay. And the reason that this bothers me is because let's get this bread means let's get this money. Yeah. But unless you're a professional athlete or you're a bodybuilder, you're not getting any bread when you're at the gym. So True. why are you telling everybody let's get this bread? You're actually trying to lose that bread. Let's just <laughs> right. let's put let's lose. You should you should put on there. Let's lose this let's- bread. <laughs> you work at Vons, and that's where you get your bread. <laughs> So you need, why are you like, listen, don't, there's nothing wrong with working at Vons, but you should have pride in your job where you should be, let's go get this bread and show yourself at Vons or show yourself selling cars or doing whatever you do. do. But quit unless you are a professional athlete, Mm -hmm. number one, Mm -hmm. okay? Unless you are a bodybuilder, unless you're doing something athletic and getting paid. Unless you're clocking in at that gym. Unless you're getting cash money at that gym. Quit trying to be dope. Quit trying to be cool and putting, let's get this bread. You ain't getting no bread. No. It's because they hear people say stuff and they don't know what they mean. And they just like, I'm just going to start saying that. Hey, let's get this bread. People do that so much. Too much. Let's get this bread. What's your favorite social media pet peeve? Dude, I've been fasting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You tagged me in something let's yesterday. In this, this podcast, know, because that's a BFL. That's a bold oh. face lie. You're not. Oh, okay. That <laughs> I'm in social media fasting, guys. Hey. Oh no. I tagged you in something, low. but that's not part of my fast. Oh, yeah. uh, what people. is your fast? You can't fat. Fasting is food, bro. No. no. Social media fast? Anytime? Do you eat social now. media? Anytime? You consume no social, it. Listen. You consume so. social media. Oh. Simple. No, so, no social media uh-huh. in the hours of 10 okay. to 6 a.m. But you, the, what is the reason for sleep? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're trying to get good sleep. Are you feeling rested? <laughs> no, I'm so sure. <laughs> no, uh, I, I'm more of a curls for the girls kind of guy. What is that? Curls what for is the that? Hashtag, girls. That's what they need to oh, be putting. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Curls for the girls. Yeah, man. Social media. It's funny how it's changed too. Like it continues to change, you know. What yeah. social media? Yeah, and uh, just like what is what is the thing? Like yeah. the hashtags and the everybody just wants to look dope. Do you ever go back like at your first post on Instagram and stuff no. like that? Oh, I actually go back and delete posts. Oh, do you? Because I don't no. want the, I don't want people to know the old me. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean, that's true. I want you to know me now. <laughs> yeah. Know me now. Quit trying to. <laughs> if you weren't a part of my past, quit trying to be a part of it. Mm. You know what's also weird when people follow you? you? 
It's like so when people good. scroll back, because this is where I was leading into. Yeah. yeah. When people go, they like they meet you, and then they want to scroll back oh, in your I feed. I see what you're saying. And okay. then, like, I have people that will follow me on social media, and they'll like every single one of my pictures oh, that I've yeah, ever yeah. posted in my entire life. Like, look mm. at me. I Why would you do that? Yeah. Did you have a MySpace? Yeah, I had a Zanga, bro. Remember Zanga? Zanga, I had a Zanga too. Zanga oh, was yeah. before MySpace. Mm-hmm. Taylor, you don't even know what Zanga is, uh, huh? <laughs> Zang, see, he that's when. That's when. That's when. So, is that anime? <laughs> Zang, was that was that an anime What's show? That Naruto stuff. <laughs> Naruto stuff. I feel like I need to go back and find my MySpace and delete it because. Wait, uh, they're still around. It's yeah, still hosting. Still, like, I feel like you could still find. No. It. It's archived somewhere. Yeah. Like, I'm sure we could find our stuff. I, I I don't even know that I'd want to see it. To be honest with you, <laughs> yeah. there's just too much too much going on out there in this world. But that's the thing. That's a real thing. Like people are gonna have to deal with the consequences of social media. Mm-hmm. I hear that like it keeps people from getting jobs and stuff. Yeah. Because they check that stuff. Like you ever seen somebody and you're like, the social media version of them is not the same as the real oh, yeah. life version of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a trip, dude. When you see somebody and you feel like you just got catfished, but you're not even like dating romantically, but it's like, I see you and I feel like I have the same feeling as if we were dating romantically yeah. and you fooled me. Catfished. Yeah. It's like the people that you see, you only see their face or like even their shoulders up. Dude. And then when you see them in real life or in real person, you're like, whoa, I didn't realize like you look like this. Yeah. Well, it's not the, a bad thing, but it's just no. weird. And the people that like to work, like everybody, dude, everybody has their favorite angle. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Some people will do like the, some people like this angle. Mm-hmm. Some people like, like, like the, depends on whatever your like strong attribute is. Yeah. If you got a chiseled jaw, speaking of chiseled jaw, I think I'm going to get jaw implants. Really? Because I want like a, I want to see Taylor, you guys see what's up. Why are you laughing? Because <laughs> I want, I want to look like freaking Superman. Like I want a Superman jaw. You got to put you in want work. That. Hmm? How do you put in work for a No, like a, a you jaw. can't work your jaw, bro. Yeah, oh, yeah you can. <laughs> I don't think you can. How Not do you th- do jaw workouts? Well, <laughs> the thing is, well, you ever seen guys at the gym working neck? Have you ever seen guys at the gym working neck? Guarantee you, if you YouTube it right now, there's... Dude? I, you haven't seen those I'm, infomercials I'm with the not, little ball? I'm dude? No, it's a thing, and you bite it. it. No, I swear. You bite it like this. No, but I go. don't... Yeah, but that works the jaw, the jaw dimple, right? I I want like the chisel, like the like I want jaws, like I want people like if there was an emoji that you used to describe me, I want it to be the shark, because I want jaws. <laughs> you know what I'm oh, saying? Oh. Why is that dumb? That, that is was, not dumb. No, that 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 little. You guys don't think I'm funny? Is that what you're trying no, to say? You guys don't think that I'm funny? Is that what you're trying to say? You were probably driving on the way here yeah. like, No, John, I don't think John. of anything ahead of... No, you guys... Okay. <laughs> He's writing it down at the red that's light. Like, think. Okay. that's good. Okay. All right. well, How okay. to improve jawline. <laughs> right. Hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure this out. Wait, wait. Do they actually have a surgery that will do that? So, yeah. It's actually the number one of the number one uh, plastic surgeries for men right now is jaw implants. How I know that, I don't know. Probably on BuzzFeed or something. But oh, it's wow. it's like number one. So what they do is they do an implant in your jaw, and it actually gives you that that superhero look. That's yeah. what I want, dude. I'm totally <laughs> going to do it. Yeah. My family has a curse, too. Like, they got this under under mm-hmm. my neck. Like, it don't matter. It just, like, doesn't matter how thin no, it, you are. You kind of get, like, a like you're a turkey or something. It's because I, I feel like I notice jaw lines, like, really, really well. Like, and I'll like, tell Jack, like, after we meet 
someone new, and I'm like, man, see his jawline. What a jawline. Gosh, check like, out the jawline. It's so weird that you notice things like that. <laughs> I'm like, well, you don't know what it's like to walk around with no profile. You know what I mean? Yep. With yep. no profile. Hey, it's true. I'm just one giant thumb over here. It is. Like, potato. Yeah. Could you look at me in the eyes, please? Like, that's, you don't ever see me posting side shots. <laughs> that's Why true. do you think I cater to the camera's head on like this? Yeah. You don't see me like nope. this? Nope. No, I'm going to do it. <laughs> Not in a million years. Not gonna do anyway, it. on the podcast today, Maddie Montgomery. He is an uh, incredible, incredible human being. You might know him from the uh, legendary band Four Today. We did some screamo lessons. Yeah, speak. You used to do screamo. You that, got the the old McDonald oh YouTube gosh, video. Nah. My Hold brother on. used to do some screamo. I didn't. We should have had nothing. you and Maddie do a screamo. That's what <laughs> no. you guys should have done. He did it professionally. <laughs> he tried. Well, you you're pretty professional. No, you don't give yourself enough. Hey, good. hey, it's hey! Quit good. quit talking down on yourself. Okay, quit. You got You don't give yourself enough credit. He has like thousands and thousands of views on that video. If I'm yeah. not, yeah, dude. But it's so mistaken. old, and who cares? That's sometimes, why, sometimes though. something old has to catch catch on. But you I find wanna, it? Listen, oh, here we go. I only want to watch it if we can. If, hold on. I only want to watch it if we okay. go through the comments, too. Oh, for why sure are they so will. good? For okay. sure we will. We gotta, okay, just so you guys know. Hold on. I'm gonna, if you don't like this, you can fast forward to the interview, by gonna, the way. But. We're going to pause it real fast, and then we're going we're gonna to do this thing. But 104K views already on who, this video. Who is that? Uh, Caleb Logan's little brother. 100. Huh? 104,000 views? Yes. On this video alone. This is Drew Hand's video. Dude. Oh, Bro. Oh. Why is it so pixelated? I don't remember that. My Jeep hey. in the back. <laughs> how, how epic are you guys, though? Just out in the middle of Yosemite, just, oh, just, just wow. beating some drums shirtless. Who is that guy? Oh. An old McDonald's so stupid. Bro, it's not stupid. It's sick. Look at Josh Ledesma getting it over there. Dude. Oh, bro, dude, if I saw you guys, like, I'd totally want to be your friends. No, bro, you no, wouldn't. look at Sam Justice. Go. The outfit change. What legends. Okay. Hey, I will say this, though. We should bring it back. I think we should ask Maddie if he'd do like a, you guys can do like a. Like, what is it called? A duet? It's probably not a duet if it's Screamo. It's probably like a collab. I do think we should do a nursery rhyme hardcore album. Look at some of these oh, comments. This makes it. sound every time I hear it. If it was a full song, I would purchase it. Wow, Isn't it? I'm pretty we sure need it's a full to monetize song. this. Hardcore, hardcore with keyboards? At the beginning, it sounds more like black metal. Mm. This so. guy sounds like Jose from Liquid Metal. Oh, dude, Liquid Metal. Wow, I like metalcore <laughs> and everything. Do you remember Liquid Metal? <laughs> but oh, yeah. this is this really sucked because of no, no form, form of guitars, guitars even, even though was, and his voice was wasn't even so. using the. What is these guys feeling? Wait, go down, go down, go down, go down, go down. <laughs> <laughs> cheers. This cheers me up. Awesome. More of this, dude. Please? Awesome voice. That's right. Best cover ever. The line dancing Epic. was the best bit. Friend, so what music do you listen to? <laughs> Me, one year ago. <laughs> you guys, this is when you realize your music is career like, is ending. <laughs> oh no! Wow, who said that? <laughs> Before it started. No, that's a troll, dude. That's that's so a troll. <laughs> but Brittany Johnson uh, loves dim it. Dim squats though. Dim squats though. <laughs> dim JK, squats, JK, though. do you know how hard I laugh? This is my favorite. Dude, so honestly oh, though, so I think good. it's epic I and I think it. we should bring it back and I think we should do a collab and I think people love it because they have spoken because it has over 100,000 views. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of videos out there that don't have no, over 100,000 views. It's like 10 years views. old. Doesn't matter. <laughs> is it 100,000 views or is it not? Does it matter how many years? No. It's all good. All good in the hood. Mm -hmm. Oh, you guys agree? We should do it. Bring it back? Yeah. We'll talk to Mandy about that. Anyway. Maddie Montgomery on the podcast. He's doing an incredible event uh, here in 
Fresno, Clovis area. If you are in the Valley uh, next week, you'll hear about that. Also, he tells us a big, big secret at mm. the end of the podcast. And uh, he first told it here, first time talking about it publicly. So I think that you'll enjoy it. Ladies and gentlemen, Maddie Montgomery. First the barricade, now the table. Do you eat a lot of McDonald's? Uh, no. <laughs> save it. Yeah. Save those kind of questions for the for the podcast. The podcast. That's mm-hmm. quality banter. Okay. Um, I do listen to some Wesley Willis on occasion, though. Really? Has anyone here? No one here has ever heard of Wesley Willis. Well, who is that? <sighs> Wesley Willis. He's dead now. He was a. Um, this is going to sound so messed up. He was a big, fat, mentally handicapped <laughs> black guy. Uh-huh. Who, uh huh. Who, not at, mentally, You're very good at descriptive say, words I don't already. Say handicapped. He was um, developmentally challenged, right? And so. Um, are, but you, he, are you good at being politically correct? I'm guessing no. the, the answer is probably no. no. <laughs> but he. Uh, so he has. Uh, he had like a dark spot in the middle of his forehead because of the mm-hmm. way he would greet everybody mm-hmm. um, was by like gently headbutting them. And uh, and he made music. And people, I mean, he made a living making music. Like people would come to his concerts. I dated a girl in college that had gone to, to one of his concerts. What kind of, what kind of music? Um, it's just really indescribable. <laughs> what? Like what genre? Like is it? Like um, his MIDI keyboard with like a like a drum machine in the background, and it's just. And then what does he do on top? Like spoken word. Uh, he sings a little bit. He has a song. Here he has a song called "Rock and Roll McDonald's." Rock and Roll McDonald's. Yeah. Donald's. Yeah, but he pronounces Miguel, it like "Rock and Roll McDonald's." That's kind of how he says it. Not oh, he leaves the the D the LDS. LDS. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of jokes you could have with that, but we'll That's we'll, right. leave, we'll leave that alone. So he um so but he also I feel like I should say he also has many other songs. Oh gosh. McDonald's is a place to rock. And his his it, other it, songs Oh, this is him. Yeah, that's him. Oh. This is... Wait, so you're a fan of this guy? I mean, no. <laughs> Nobody's a fan of this guy. You know, people appreciate... Oh, my god. So it was just like he was just, you know, he would make music. Is this how you got, have, how you got into music? Yeah, this is how I got started in music. I thought if Wesley Willis can do it, I definitely can. Talk, talk to me about that. How did you get into music? Are you we podcasting? To, yeah, right we're, now? we're podcasting. Oh, shoot. You have to go lips to mic. Oh, I feel we're like always I should, podcasting. I feel like I should make the disclaimer that Wesley Willis also has tons of completely inappropriate songs. Well, it's, yeah, no one's so judging you. No one's judging you for that here. Right. It's, it's, it's listen at your time. own risk. It's, totally. the old, it's the old you? Yeah, it was BC. <laughs> 
before, before yeah, sanctification set in. How did you get into music, though? Uh, I got into music. Um, I so so I, I my mom actually is a, a singer and a cellist and a pianist. Really? Um, yeah, she's a classically trained choral vocalist, and um, I mean she was in a choir that won a um a grammy really so she's got a little certificate that says yeah she she did a recording that won a grammy so she's uh proud of that um so i was always kind of around music growing up yeah. um but then i found out about punk rock found out about minor threat and the ramones and the clash and stuff like that and i thought this is what i want to do mm-hmm. it's gonna make my mom so angry so I went and got a leather jacket and a cheap drum set, <laughs> and I played drums in punk bands, like political punk bands all through. Really? Like high school. And then uh, we we started hearing this music with screaming in it, and uh, and my friends thought, yeah, we should do that. And so I was in this three-piece band. I played drums, and we all took turns. I remember the moment sitting on the front porch of my high school girlfriend's house, and we were all trying to see who was the best screamer, mm-hmm. and it was me. What, there's an art to actually screaming though, right? It's yeah. not like I mean, I sounded so terrible like, in in that moment, but yeah, there's some. You still do some it? art to it because you've hung up the boots, right? Like you don't, you're not traveling touring anymore, right? No. So do you still do it? Because no. I feel like that's not like you sing in the shower, right? Like somebody would be like no. da 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 da, like right. singing in the shower. There's but you don't no really real scream. context for that other than being in a metal band. You know, it's not, you're never like, teach me. How do you do it? Like going to sign up in karaoke for teach karaoke. Me how you do it right now. How do you do it? How do you scream appropriately? Well, you know, the same way. Um, that, like you're uh, not. Ah, that's pretty much it. That's it. That, just louder. Yeah. But what, isn't it kind of like, here's how, here's my version of, of let's hear it. So <laughs> come on. <clears throat> but that would be like what I would like I would do. It'd be a little bit more. It sounded great, like, honestly. <laughs> it's kind of like a wild boar. Like, what are you? That's how I. So teach yeah, me. I'm obviously I mean, not it. doing. No, it's not. <laughs> don't 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 flatter me. Don't flatter well, me like I know what I'm doing. Here's the thing. This is the big secret of that whole genre of music is that nobody sounds good doing that. Like kids make videos of themselves, YouTube mm-hmm. videos of themselves doing like lip sync are doing vocal covers of our songs and every one of them looks so dumb and it's and it's not because why are they screaming yeah they're Uh screaming full voice Uh with like maybe our music quietly in the background Uh sometimes you can't even hear our music and it's just the kids screaming and they'll send them to us like you got to listen to this Uh and it just everybody sounds terrible but the truth is if i was to do it Uh like in my you know my the the bathroom yeah, in your the bedroom hall, or the hall of my mom's it. house with like screaming into a, mm-hmm. a hairbrush like these kids are doing it would sound terrible too we've got compression and reverb uh-huh. and music behind us and it's all mixed together to sound right and so nobody really sounds good just screaming mm-hmm. you got to you still haven't shown smell. me how to do it Maddie. Well, it's different you're, for everybody. Dude, you're one of those guys. It's different. It's you're different one of those guys where it's like, hey, do what you do. And you're like, oh, well, this is on, not I what I do. Oh, no, come on. Act like you don't. You. Come on. Don't pull that card at this time. <laughs> like you don't remember. Here's, I mean, here's the real truth, man, is that I never really felt like much of a musician. Really? I was more of a writer. I mean, even when I was playing drums in a band, like I was writing short stories and poems and, uh, and you know, 
started work on a play one time. Like I loved to write as a kid. And I, uh-huh. you know, I would write, even when I was playing drums, I'd write the lyrics for my bands and the, the other guys, the singers would sing them. And so, um, you know, being able to write and, uh, and preach, th- mm-hmm. those are really the things that I felt like I brought to the table way more mm-hmm. than going. There it is. Yeah. That's pretty that good out. though. That's pretty good. Yeah. Did you have lots of other bands though leading up to? Uh, I had some like some high you guys school were bands. pretty successful. It depends on who you ask, but, but yeah, I mean, I mean especially with a living, gen- which is yeah, you know, the vast majority of bands never get to do that. So yeah, yeah we made a living. Is that um, genre harder than other genres? It's probably equally as hard as other genres, I guess. Do you think it's one of those where it's like either you love it or you hate it? For the listeners, could it be considered what scream like screamo? What is it considered? Well, if we're getting technical, I don't know what kind of people you have listening. All um, kinds of people. So here's, there's a, uh, so I'm going to give you a, a lesson, no, a lesson in su- music sh- subgenre history. Um, there was a genre of music at one point called emo. Yeah. And it, it also had a look. Yeah, oh yeah, totally. Yeah, the so swoop, the swoop. Eyeliner at times. Yeah. Male like the female. hot topic yeah. sort of thing. Yes. I shopped yeah. there. Oh Yeah. I never. Yeah, that's not true. I actually worked at two different hot topics in my life. (laughs) So good. (laughs) But uh, but the swoop, everything, eyeliner, just sadness all the time, whiny. So emo music is just whiny, sad and whiny. You know, like fake poetic Uh music for just for like skinny kids that lose fights. You know, like that's that's what emo music is. And uh, uh, and screamo music, uh-huh. <clears throat> there's a genre called screamo that actually was like an offshoot of emo that started probably around like the year 2000. Emo was around prior to that. Screamo started in, in about 2000, 2001 or two mm-hmm. when guys started thinking like, we're going to put some screaming in this emo song. Uh-huh. It makes it sound even more emotional. Uh-huh. So when people call the music that I played screamo music, it like bums me out because it sounds like okay. it's, it's music for, for like sick pale kids. <laughs> Was but that your audience? But uh, not Primarily, always. No. I'm not a sick pale kid. No, you're, you're definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> but but our music, uh-huh. I would have just called it metal or hardcore, okay. which is like another. I know it has screaming. Well, what's in it, the difference then between metal and screamo? So screamo music is it comes like from emo and it it's comes from emo. It's very poetic it's, it's and aggressive. Pretty, it's pretty soft, uh-huh. um, it's soft compared to ours. Okay. It's uh, it's more like, um, you know, melodic and okay. soft and, and happy. Our music has like breakdowns and right, right, right. intensity. And, you know, we're singing about victory and battles and epic stuff. And those guys are singing about like. When I was growing up, I grew up in that. obviously the church world. So. That was like uh, my parents and grandparents' generation. That was the devil's music. Totally, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I, yeah. Heard, I'm sure you oh, hear I heard all that, about right? it, yeah. we. It's funny, man. We started our band and, um, you know, we had, we thought we're just preaching the gospel to people. From day one, was that, from day one, were you a, like a believer when you started? I told the guys I wouldn't join your band unless we can do a Bible study together every day. Really? And you'll let me preach the gospel from stage. And they said... All right, and that was from day one. From day one, I wouldn't even join the band unless they would let me do that. So, wow. um, you know, we're going into these places, and 
I mean, there's four people coming to the show and four people getting born again at the show, hmm. uh, which is incredible. Yeah. And so we're just fired up and God is just blowing our minds and we're sharing the gospel and we're loving on these kids that never get loved anywhere. And God is moving. And then, you know, pretty quick, other Christians came in to try to tell us we were doing it wrong. What, we, in what way? The Well, two ways, primarily. The first was backslidden, lukewarm guys yeah. in bands who were older than us and who said, listen, when I was your age, I was all about that Jesus stuff, but then I grew up and now uh, I'm, you know, I'm more wise now and they think that wisdom is the opposite of zeal. And so they did their best to try to tell us that, you know, you got to be, you know, just go sit down and grab a beer with them and mm -hmm. just talk about life and just be a buddy. You don't yeah. have to, you know, always share the gospel. You, have you so... don't have to make it so black, or, black and white and so that happened, and, and we sort of respectfully, enthusiastically disagreed. And uh, and then also, at the same time, there were people saying, like, listen, I used to listen to your band, but then my pastor told me that it's demonic, the way your band sounds, you're screaming and stuff, and that's what demons do. Like, it's scary music, so that's definitely not God. So, you know, me and my mom are going to go to the Chris Tomlin concert. <laughs> And I can't listen to your band anymore. Shout out to Chris Tomlin. Dude, he's awesome. I love him. How did you deal with that, though? Because obviously, I mean, you're going into it out of passion in some ways, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just what you... So how would you respond to that type of criticism from the people that you're trying to... I mean, you're 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 a part of, uh, you know, you're a Christian yeah. Christ follower. Yeah. And then you have other Christ followers saying what you're doing is the opposite of that. How did you... I mean, you're... How were you when you, were, when you started? Uh, gosh, I was... 20, I think, when okay. I joined the band. So how were you navigating some yeah. of that? Um, I, so I uh, early on sort of decided that I'm, uh, I'm going to base the, the weight that I give someone's opinion uh, on the fruit of their life. Mm -hmm. And so if, if there's a guy that never, ever, ever leads anyone to Christ and doesn't do anything in ministry... Um, and, you know, plays in a band and just gets drunk in, at the bar a, a, every night after they're set, mm -hmm. I'm probably not going to take tips on ministry from that guy. Yeah. You know, that's the fruit of his life, and I'm yeah. just not interested. Um, and so the people that really had a problem with us were people that just weren't bearing good fruit, mm. um, just angry, divisive, bitter people. Um, and so we that it was just sort of a, uh, you know, eventually we just kind of said, hey, thanks so much for your input. Bless you. Um, I hope that God uses you mightily, and um, we're just gonna. Was it always that easy though? Like it was literally that easy. It didn't. It didn't burden you emotionally or make you like, ah, oh, that kind of. Oh sucks. no, it totally. I mean, yeah, I mean that's that's a, a whole couple year, several year process. Yeah. Of co coming to that point in a nutshell, but yeah, we. I mean, at first it was like we got to have a meeting and sit down and really talk this out, and let's look at the Bible. You know, we'll talk for six hours one night at a venue and then, you know, we, we got to go our separate ways for the night, but then, you know, let's pick this back up tomorrow and we're really going to talk about this. Were you, and so in the beginning, were you concerned that they were right? Um, I mean, if you're going that, like, were you concerned? Like, I mean, why I don't would know, you... maybe I'm just super stubborn and, mm -hmm. you know, so I, you, I mean, did you, are I, you kind of geared that way anyway? Like just whatever then? Well, I just, off. I just thought, well, people are coming to Jesus. Yeah. It was that, it was just simple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it like, it just, I just couldn't understand like 15 people gave their lives to Christ last night. So how is that bad? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I understand that that these, you know, their objection was you're coming on too strong and 
you're preaching the gospel like super hard from stage and then you're going out on into the crowd and talking to everybody after the show. Um, you know, that's kind of, uh, you know, that could be off putting or alienating. And my thought was, well, maybe you guys can meet the people that feel put off or alienated by that, you know, go stand by the door and find the people that are angrily <laughs> walking really out. just didn't care that you just go knew meet you were... them and I'm going to get everybody else, you know? And, and I just, I just thought if people are experiencing the love of Jesus, then it's, it's probably okay. Was your goal in it ever to be like, was your goal success ever? I mean, you became successful in that. We in that. had a talk in the, our first week in the band and uh-huh. we said, preaching the gospel like this is probably going to make it. So we never succeed. Are we still willing to do it? And we all enthusiastically said, yes. Huh. Um, you know, if all we do is a six months of tour, you know, at, at house shows and local uh, pubs, then we'll just pray that God breaks out of those house shows yeah. and local pubs. And that's it. I mean, we n- never thought we're going to put out seven studio albums and tour the world and, yeah. you know, have, uh, you know, sell hundreds of thousands of copies of our, our records and get nominated for Dove awards and stuff yeah. like ne- nobody imagined any of that stuff was going to happen. Uh, and so we, it, that was all kind of a, a, a great surprise and a fun ride. Um, but we never, the, the, purpose wasn't success the purpose was souls hmm. yeah were you you weren't always playing with other christian bands though right we were mostly not playing with other christian right. bands so you almost kind of had a like sneak attack going on right I mean, oh people yeah wouldn't because of it. the kind of music that we played i mean we got invited to go on tour with satanic bands openly anti i mean it would be like our merch table with stuff about jesus and uh and bibles set on the merch table free bibles if you want one and then right next to us would be pentagrams and 666 and F God shirts and yeah. all, like all sorts of crazy stuff. And yeah. we'd just be on tour with these guys. And um, and we would all sort of joke about the irony of our friendship, you know, and, and appreciate that. And, uh, and, and sometimes guys in bands would get born again and, and mm-hmm. really reached and it would be great. Um, but uh but yeah, it was um, it, we were, it, we were not the band that was playing at youth groups and Christian <laughs> Christian festivals. We didn't. We never got invited to go on Winter Jam. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> should have though. Uh, that would have been when, something. When you think back on that, I think that then you have a lot to to teach because people in our in our world, especially with societal climate, they struggle with how do I, how do how am I welcoming and loving and have relationship with people who are mm-hmm. different than me? Right. I think. I mean, your experience on the road. I mean, there that's one, probably has to be one of the great lessons that you learned. Absolutely. I mean, how did how did how to do that? How did you do? How did you do that? Well, a lot of trial and error. I mean, there were definitely times that I stepped all over people's toes and and you know fractured relationships and yeah. pushed too hard, and, um, and that sort of thing. What but, did that usually look like for you? Like uh, when you knew you crossed the line, it would. Um, it would. I guess it would look like. Uh, feeling, I would always go into a tour just wanting, we'd want to serve and just bless the guys and the other bands. And, you know, they would kind of come in with their guard up mm-hmm. and, uh, and think, oh, this is the Christian band we've all heard about, you know, this is going to be weird for us. And so we'd try to talk to them about how's tour been, what's been yeah. going on with you. And, and, um, and let them know, like, we may be those Christian guys, but we also still have a lot in common. We're touring yeah. bands. We play the same genre. We have a lot of friends in common. We're all playing the same venues where 
you know, we've got a lot to talk about. And so we'd start off by talking about the things we have in common. And, uh, and then when we feel that there's a, a trust established, um, you know, we, I, I would normally try to get one guy away from the rest of the band uh-huh. because when, you know, when their friends are around, uh-huh. you got to act tough and like, yeah. Oh, whatever. I don't need that stuff. Uh-huh. Right. But you can confess. Yeah, actually, you know, I, I don't really believe this stuff that we sing about mm-hmm. when your friends and, and fans aren't around. So I'd take a guy out for coffee or whatever. Yeah. Sometimes I would do that early okay. where he doesn't really trust me that much. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I'd be like, dude, tell me about your soul. What's, mm-hmm. you know, what do you think about this God stuff, you know? And, and, uh, and then he'd tell me and I'd say, well, here's where you're wrong. And, and, um, you know, and it, we weren't yeah. on a level to have that conversation yet. And they'd, I mean, it was never, I'm never attacking anybody. You're trying to dominate right. anyone, but, uh, there were, there are several guys that are coming to mind now that I, we had that conversation. That was the last conversation we had. Really? And, um, you know, I don't, I don't regret trying. Yeah. Um, I'm thank you know, I'm thankful that I had the, the boldness and the courage and just the care for those guys to try. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, that's a, a kind of a tightrope walk sometimes is, you know, how do I make sure that I carry the gospel with urgency mm-hmm. uh, while also respecting the spiritual autonomy of another person? I can't make them love Jesus. Um, and so that's kind of a, a, a thing I th- think a lot of people struggle with and um, something that I got pretty pretty good at uh, over the years of, of just knowing where I can push and where I can't push and um, and being able to really walk that, that what, line. What ended me. up being the best for you? What was your... You're big on evangelism. I mean, oh, it's yeah. like, so what did you learn in that as far as being able to be around people? Because if they didn't say, let's say like somebody um, told you, I don't believe like you, and I don't think that that what you believe is true. At mm-hmm. that, at what point, where do you go in the conversation? Oh, well, I, I, you start, you start with listening. I think that's the, the key is you, um, you just say, well, what do you believe? Mm-hmm. What are you about? Like, what are you really passionate about? And um, I mean, if you listen to somebody long enough, you're going to, you're going to hear the holes in there, mm-hmm. um, in their, their, uh, structure. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just, just recently I was in, at an, at an airport in Atlanta, for example, and I was buying a phone charger from a shop. I'd left mine at home and I, I went to buy a phone charger in, a, in the shop. And this girl starts asking me about the tattoos on my hands. Mm-hmm. And I have the name of God, Yahweh, Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey on my hand. And she said, what does that mean? And I was explaining it to her. Um, and I said, do you have a relationship with God? Well, now we're talking about God. So do you have a relationship with God? And she said, "Mm, I do, but you know, I kind of have my own beliefs. And I said, tell me about those. What's Mm -hmm. a, what do you believe? And she said, well, uh, you know, I think there is a higher power, but I think it's a woman. And, um, you know, and I think that, uh, all beliefs are basically the same, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody teaches morality and, and everything. And so I think it doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you believe something, and, uh, and that's a, I think a great conversation starter. So my first thing, bit of instruction, we're getting into like real practical evangelism no, training. This is, this is cool stuff. So if people are taking notes, the first point <laughs> no to recap, point the, first, one. the point number one is, uh, <laughs> is that you listen first. Uh-huh. And point number two is that you find common ground. And this girl said, all religions are basically the same. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe something. And I said, you know what? I kind of agree with you. Uh, and she was off off put by that. And I said, you know, all religions do have a lot of the, the same uh, facets. You know, they, they all teach that we should be kind and generous and humble. Mm-hmm. And um, 
Uh, and you know, and I think that's, I think that's awesome. I think that everybody should live like that. And she's saying, yeah, that's amazing. Cool. I totally agree. And I, and I said, the, the problem is though, I haven't, and I'll bet you haven't either. I mean, and it's kind of crazy that in Islam and Judaism and Christianity, and I mean, even atheists know that we should be kind and generous and humble. The whole world agrees on an objective moral standard. Mm-hmm. throughout the expanse of human history all across the planet we've all agreed that there's an objective moral standard and um and and yet not one of us has ever reached that standard all of us have fallen short of that um and uh and I and and she's sort of looking at me like oh no you're right mm-hmm. and um and so that then the question is what do we do about that i mean how yeah. do we fix that right do we just try harder next time. Is that it? Because, you know, that's going to be a a weird, um, you know, a a weird moral of the story that we're all just trying harder next time. And that's just, that's what life is for us. Um, I said, there's got to be an answer because if we have been given a standard by God, whatever he or she is, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, then we should be very concerned with what might happen if we have spit in the face of that standard because I've been greedy and arrogant and lazy and destructive to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I said, but here's the crazy thing is that as many religions and religious ideologies and philosophies as there are in the world that agree on that moral standard that we should be kind and humble, loving and generous, there is only one answer in all of human history combined. And that is that he that knew no sin became sin so that I through him might become the righteousness of God in Christ Mm -hmm. Jesus. I said, Jesus is the only answer. The fact that he took my sin upon himself is the only answer that has ever been given to humanity for this issue of what we call sin. And, um, and I said, you know, talk to her a bit about what it meant to, to follow Jesus and to really surrender your life to him. And said, and that's actually a decision you can make right here at work in your little electronics kiosk in the Atlanta airport. Is that something that you want? And she actually ended up being born again. Hmm. Um, and the thing that opened the, the door was I started with listening. Yeah. And then I, I stood with her on common ground. Find something you can agree with. Like, I don't yeah. have to just jump in with like, you're wrong about everything. You know, yeah, yeah, she's wrong about everything. Yeah. <laughs> like, totally. But like, let me let me find something that maybe I can like validate and say, you know what, I see that. Um, but maybe there's like a, a side of it or a dimension or, or an implication of it that you haven't really considered yet. And like, let's just seek truth together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let's start, let's find a starting point and that is the common ground and then let's seek truth together. And um, and so that's obviously not everybody that I, I do that with gets born again, but yeah. um, but that's usually my method. And, and even if they say, well, I see how you could see it that way. Um, that there was a, a Muslim girl in the Australia airport that I had a conversation, a similar sort of conversation with her. And she said, okay, I, I see how you could see it that way, but I don't. And she did not end up getting born again. And so, you know, there's a, a, a but we, we ended the conversation as friends. It yeah. felt like, you know, it was a, a kind conversation. And, um, and I think if we can, if we can live to have another conversation with these people, that'd be a good thing. Well, listening to, I mean, it, it wouldn't you say it transcends the conversation just about salvation? Just the being a listener is oh, yeah. probably one of the more difficult things in our world. Like, I mean, Without a doubt. what is, what are some of the things that you learned about listening? I, I notice a lot of times when you're in conversation with people, they're 
even when they're trying to listen, they're thinking about the next thing that they're going to say. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you be a good listener? Um, well, I don't ever think about anything, so <laughs> it's like <"Duh." laughs> uh, it's just totally blank. I'm not even hearing what you're saying right now. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I well, I think that it's. Um, I feel like if my wife ever heard this, mm-hmm. heard me giving advice to people on how to be a good listener, she'd, she'd be might, like, "Don't ask him." Yes. <laughs> uh, the, you know, I think the, um, the the key is just to value the person you're talking to. You know, to to care about the person, and in the context of evangelism, to care about them more than just a a testimony that you can't wait to tell your friends. Yeah. You know, or an argument to win, or a point to prove. Right. To, to understand that the person you're talking to has an entire worldview that they're operating from. They have a collective whole of past experiences. They have, you know, parents and uh, hopes and dreams, and they have disappointments and gifts and talents and abilities. They have a unique perspective. And um, I think that's such a beautiful, valuable thing. And so to be able to see that and to understand that they can show you the world from a perspective you've never seen it before um, gives value to the person you're talking to and and to what's coming out of them. And so even if they're totally wrong about what they're saying, you know, if the conclusion that they've come to is wrong, they, they didn't get there for no reason. Right. There's something going on inside of them that makes that conclusion seem like the most logical conclusion. And so when, when you're not just hearing what they're saying, but you're, you're asking yourself, well, why are they saying what's their journey been? Why do they think that way? Right. It starts to, to make a little bit more sense. And, and I think it, uh, um, it gives you the ability to appreciate them, right. even if their opinion is maybe wrong. Yeah, you know. What do you think about that? With even just somebody that has a bad attitude, I mean, there's a reason that they got there. It's like, what if, what is going on in their life that is there's right. m- there's more than what you see that meets absolutely that meets the eye. Yeah, you talked about your your your. If your wife were sitting here, she would probably say that you know <laughs> why why is he? I'm answer, a great husband. Why That's is just he a joke. answering a question on how to be a good listener? <laughs> It brings up, in, in my mind, though, an interesting point, um, because it seems like when it comes to uh, your work calling and uh, listening is a big thing, and yet I hear so many people, I was at a, at a funeral of somebody who, uh, I mean, just a world-renowned minister, and it was so interesting to me because some of the things that he was known for being good at in the public, he wasn't good at with his own family. It was like he loved the whole world but I was at home and I had a missing void. I find that to be, um, I remember sitting there thinking like, wow, how crazy that is. But also saying how, how normal, how human that has become. Absolutely. You see business owners who are extremely good at business, Mm -hmm. but their actual home life maybe doesn't have the same success or they have to be conversational in their job, right? They're good at talking to people, but then when they're home, they shut down with their spouse and don't know how to have conversation, right. not interested in their kids. They can talk to the world, right. but they don't talk to us. You bring up some of that dynamic of, I mean, I hearing what, even the way that you approach you know, salvation in Christ, you have to be uh, a skilled listener in some mm-hmm. way to be able to do that, to hear beyond the words that you're saying, why are you saying it, where is it coming from, finding ho- holes in their structure, as you, as you put it. Why do you think that that can be difficult sometimes for us? in in home or or beyond our work right well i think um i because i have such an affinity and genuine affection for that type of listening um sometimes i uh feel like i'm i'm listening on a different level than my wife needs me to listen 
Like, uh-huh. it, like if she says, hey, the trash needs to go out. I'm thinking, you know, what was the tone of her voice like? Mm-hmm. And, you know, how did her eyes look at me when she said mm-hmm. that? And, and like, you know, I wonder how her day was and what's going on in her soul. Like, how's her prayer life, you know? is yeah. Right. And, uh, and I'm, analyzing. I'm 10 steps beyond the trash needs to go she out. She just wants the trash out. Right. And it's like, I just need to take the trash out, you know? And so... I, I like I love those sort of deep conversations, but we we have to also be functional mm-hmm. um, in a practical sort of way. Someone has to say, "Hey, the trash needs to go out, and I need to get, like get that." Um, and I, even with my wife, I, you know, I'm great at talking about spiritual, emotional things. I love those conversations. I think she would tell you that I'm uh-huh. a good listener when it comes to those sorts of things. Um, and and sometimes I, you know, my brain just doesn't think about. I'll leave the house and, and yeah. realize I didn't brush my teeth in the morning. You know, there's things, things that I uh, will just space on that, that are like the regular practical things. Yeah. And I don't miss a thing when it comes to the spiritual condition right. of a person's heart. Um, but when it comes to just the regular everyday sort of things, sometimes I, I don't focus as much on those. And that's, I think, an area that we can grow on. However, to add to that conversation, I, I think that there's an issue in ministry um, that that we have built uh, an idol out of the platform, mm-hmm. and um, and we give our best self to the platform, and we give our families our scraps. I mean, if we look at the way that we, um, I was just I was counseling a guy, one of my staff members, a, f- a few months ago, and he and his wife were feeling distant, and um, and I said, well, you know, how's your how are your dates? going and he's like well you know we haven't been doing a lot the things were a little bit tight financially mm-hmm. and i said i said so so you cut out time with your wife like that's the thing you cut out you know you still got a gym membership and a netflix subscription and all these other things but you cut out time with your wife time alone with your wife and i said man you can't make your wife settle for the scraps of you you know, give your work and your calling and your mm-hmm. art and your ministry the best, sharpest, most passionate part of you, and then tell your family, well, you get what's left over when the ministry has taken everything else. Yeah. And I, and that goes to for money and time, energy, attention, affection, creativity, all of that. And um, and so I I think that that's something we have to to understand that that in putting our best self our first and our best into our family, we actually build a structure that can support a ministry. But when we put our best self into our ministry, we actually build uh, a structure that will inevitably choke the life out of our family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, I, I know you've been around ministry yeah. long enough to have seen tons of pastor's kids yeah. run away from ministry because they resent their, right. the, they resent the ministry because they resent that their parents uh, that they lost their parents to the ministry. Um, I mean, I've seen wives leave or come close to leaving their husbands because they resent their husbands for giving their best selves to the ministry. And it's just not, ministry is not worth that. Right. It's not. Um, I mean, I think about the Muslim religion. It's the statistically the fastest growing religion in the world right now. Really? And I've never met a Muslim evangelist. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's ever handed me a track that says, consider Islam or came to knock on my door. Do you have a minute to talk about you know, Allah mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, all they do is family. That's all they do. They have kids and they commit themselves to teaching those kids about their religion. Mm-hmm. And it's the fastest growing religion in the world. 
Now, what we do is we, you know, tell our family with our actions, they can go to hell for all we care. I've got yeah. a calling. And, um, and then we gather this, you know, big group of people to come watch us do our calling and they're, th- you know, they're impressed by our gifting. Yeah. And, uh, and then they get close enough to see that our marriage is fractured and our kids are disobedient right. and rebellious, resentful and angry about the fact that they have to even be there. And, uh, and these people that came in because of our gifting, they see our character, they see our family yeah. and they leave just as fast as they came in. And so we're actually losing ground in the advancement of the kingdom because we don't do family well. Mm-hmm. If we don't do family well, we will perpetually undermine our own evangelistic efforts. In fact, if we could either do family or evangelism, we should choose family a hundred times out of a hundred. Because if that's all we did, we would gain ground. People would be knocking our doors down saying, how do you have a marriage like that? How are your kids this committed to each other and to their parents? I've never seen a family like this. Teach us. Like we would not have to beg the world to come to our events if they could see amazing, strong families in our churches. Do you think it also, though, goes... I mean, to me, the issue goes beyond even though the church world. I think that it certainly applies 100% everything you're saying I'd I'd agree with. But you see the same symptoms in different industries. I mean, mean, we're in in the church world. Like, we're in the ministry. So we we see it. But I see it in business owners that throw themselves into their business and forget, neglect their family. I see artists who throw themselves into their art and forget... What, right. what matters most. You said uh, in regards to ministry and church, they idolize the platform. Do you think that that, um, that principle is the same in every other, uh, every other demographic? Is it, I mean, when we talk about platform, we're talking about success. We're right. talking about, is that what it is? Is it, uh, is it priorities out of whack? What, I mean, it seems like it's bigger than just. Right. Well, and you know, and there's the whole sense, I think the common justification that I'm doing this for you. Yeah. my family and I'm getting this money and I'm working hard and I'm, you know, look at the house we live in and the car yeah. you drive yeah. and all of that. I pay for all that with this, but you know, I've got three sons and, um, uh, and, and we have uh, a nice car that my kids ride in and they do not care. Um, they could be, you know, yeah. we could be riding down the road in a Fred Flintstone car where right. I have to push it with my feet. Yeah. And they'd be like, yeah, it's fine. It's cool. You know, they don't give a rip at all. They don't care what brand name is on the front of the car or yeah. anything like that. Um, you know, my kids value m- presence over productivity. Mm-hmm. And uh, and when we become adults and we become slaves to a system that values productivity over presence... Um, we, we forget that simplicity as a kid. I mean, I, I would have done anything to have my dad around like that's yeah to just have him there to get to see him on the sideline while I'm playing a baseball game. I don't care how much money's in the bank account. You know, yeah. I don't care what kind of house we live in. If we're there together, that's all right with me. You talk a lot about simplicity. You mentioned that even earlier tonight. Is that yeah. a, is, is that like a core value of yours? Do you, I mean, do you think of that often about keeping things simple? Yeah. You know, I think, um, like I, I, like I said earlier that, uh, you know, unity requires simplicity. Uh Um, if I have a really complex convoluted worldview and you said, Hey, what are your core values? And I gave you 25 minutes of, you know, subtly nuanced theological statements. 
um, it would, I would kind of put myself on an Island where nobody, you have to agree with all of this. If you want to stand with me, it, I'd have to stand alone. Cause that's, nobody can even follow that. Yeah. Right. Um, but if I say, if you say, well, what are your core values? And I say, Jesus, yeah. that Jesus would be exalted and known for who he is. Uh, well, you could stand there with that. And the guy at first Baptist church can stand with me on that. And, and so for the sake of unity, I think simplicity is, is important. And I, I think that, that it's an important thing in, in any area of leadership that we give people a vision simple enough to follow. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but it means that it's simple enough to follow, that it's not impossible to apply or to grasp, uh, grab a hold of, yeah. um, that they can catch our vision and be aware of our vision and keep it in mind and explain it to others and that the that the vision would be simple enough that people can run with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that in any area of leadership and business and ministry and family, that simplicity is a requisite for being able to give anybody the tools to follow you. Yeah. To be simple though, you have to be intentional, right? I mean, without a doubt, it almost takes, uh, I mean, it takes more time to do that, to be, to keep things simple or to communicate in a way that other people can understand. What are some of your keys for fighting for simplicity? Like, how do you do that? Cause that's got, that's intentional. Let you, we're, we're, we're complex and all over the place. And when we talk, we run on tangents and just go, how do you fight to be simple? Um, you know, I take my idea and then I ask myself, how would TD Jakes explain this idea? Because <laughs> he can and say he there. can say in one sentence. He doesn't even have to think about. But it takes me twenty five minutes know. to get across. He's awesome. Um, yeah, he's a beast. Yeah, I. But I. Um, you know, I. Th- I think I just have to kind of. Is that is that an easy thing it, for you or hard? For uh, you? It's it's a little hard. Mm-hmm. I tend to um, process as I talk, mm-hmm. and so, um, you know, I'll spend ten minutes explaining a concept until I get to the point where I can say, actually, here's what I'm trying to say, and get it to you in a phrase. So my, if you want to just skip everything else and hear the in conclusion statement, yeah. that would probably be a more effective mm-hmm. way to listen to me. But um, but I think that's the that we have to just ask ourselves the question, like, what do you really want? Um, you know, what's really the goal? As I'm having an idea, and I'm you know, if I'm angry with my employees because they're not as productive as I want them to be, um, what's the real goal? Do I want better employees? Do I want my employees to accomplish the tasks I give them better? What tasks do I, you know, am I even giving them? And what is the main objective of those tasks? Could I simplify what I'm giving them so that they can be more productive at one thing instead of semi-productive at eight things? Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that we, as as leaders, we just have to be aware of what it is we really want to accomplish, what yeah. really is our goal, and um, and uh, and then to make obviously to make achievable, you know, many many goals along the way. But uh, I, you know, I think that a, a key to to simplicity or um, is as you said, intentionality. Yeah. Um, but I think that we have got to be able to kind of internally process what it is we want, how and why and when we want it. Yeah. Um, and make sure that we communicate that in a concise way and also that we work toward that in a, in a practical way. And talk about working toward that. You mentioned goals. Are you goal oriented? Are you someone that is that how are you, do you live your life in a rhythm like that where you set goals, achieve goals, set new goals? That sounds fantastic. Do you do that? I aspire. It's a goal of mine to do that one day. Yeah, that is your goal. Your <laughs> goal is to have goals. That's right. <laughs> well, I, you know, I'll set goals like we want 12,000 people to join us at the altar conference yeah. in April. 
Um, and then along the way, there's a million little goals. And, uh, and so I, it feels like I'm kind of juggling all the different, you know, strands or, or, uh, uh, many goals. I, maybe sometimes the dream is so big that it feels like, you know, we've got yeah. steps along the way, but, um, you know, we don't really take time to stop and celebrate like, yes, we just had that meeting. Yeah. That was all, you know, it's, it's like we kind of just gotta, we gotta just keep, keep going. So are you going to the other areas of your life though? Do you find like, or you just kind of go with the flow? I'm just kind of going. With just the flow. Kind of go with My the wife flow. is more goal oriented. She's yeah. good at that. Cause I wonder about that. I, there's people that, you know, it almost seems instinctual. That's one thing that I notice about you, you know, talking about instincts, gifting and call it, you know, whatever, but even like with the evangelism thing, it, I obviously know there's, I mean, there's a u- universal call to, to, you know, share our faith and live our faith and that kind of stuff. But you, I mean, that is just, it's pretty evident that that's like something that you're, seems like really natural to you. True. I'm pretty good at it. Yeah. Um, it didn't come naturally. It came because I just forced myself to do it over and over again. You know, it wasn't like I woke up one day just great at communicating the gospel and never being clumsy and stupid about it. Mm-hmm. I was just, I just thought it was worth doing, even if I was clumsy and stupid in the process. Mm-hmm. And now it flows. And I can, I mean, today I was in the bank at, uh, you know, Wells Fargo and, took 15 minutes, you know, and, and shared the gospel with the guy that was helping me at the bank and the girl that sat at the desk next, next to him, she was a believer. And so she was excited and she rolled over and chimed in on the conversation and, you know, got to pray with that guy. Um, he didn't get born again, but he knows what it means to be born again now, which is great. And so, um, you know, I think that there's, it's just, it's like practice and it's something that I think is worth practicing. Do you think it's really, do you really think that it's just practice though? You don't, don't think there's any type of. Yeah. So what about somebody who is like, they're, do they have the same obligation or responsibility? Somebody who's introverted and shy and literally make, gives them, you know, makes them break out in hives if they have to speak to somebody. I think they have the same opportunity. Uh Um, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd say obligation or responsibility. I think that they have the same opportunity. Um, and, and I, th- I think what we tend to do in, in the church, you know, we'll have people come into church and we'll give them a personality test and say, where are yeah. your giftings and strengths? And, you know, maybe you're an administrator and you're a greeter and you're a speaker and you're a musician. And, and we, we fit people's assignments. We, we give them opportunities based on their natural disposition. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we only operate within the parameters of our natural disposition, we, uh, we disqualify ourselves from the chance to see the supernatural intervention of God. Um, I think that to put it in a concise way, I, I think that, um, we have to stop asking ourselves what we're good at and start asking ourselves what God is good at. Mm-hmm. Because the, the world needs way less of my personality and way more of Jesus' personality. You don't think God made people with their personality? Well, I, well, I think that he, he gave each person something that's maybe a little easier for them. Uh-huh. Um, but I mean, in all honesty, man, I'm, I'm an, an introvert very much. So if it was up to me, like, when how do I you get, define introvert though? I am like, does rejuvenated that mean okay. by being away from people? Right. Um, it doesn't mean I'm terrified of people, but if I had my preference and there was no spiritual um, implications, Man, I'd live in a cabin in the woods and, you know, come down once a month to stock up on supplies and, you know, yeah, and then head back up to the cabin. Right. And, um, 
and I think it, like I, I failed every speech class that I ever took, um, in, in life. And I, uh, this, the things that I do are not all things that I was always natural or comfortable or confident. In. Have you always been an influencer though? Because to me, when I, to me, when I see you beyond communicator, beyond, you know, persona, to me, you seem more of like an influencer, like in, in music, whatever, like it just, I, I, to what I see, it seems like people have giftings. When I define, when I'm talking about giftings, when they do that, it just starts to like flourish, starts mm -hmm. to work. There's like some sort of something behind and, and I feel like then it causes other gifts to have to be developed in order to sustain that it thing, uh -huh. you know, is, is what I'm trying to say. So if like for you, do you feel like the core of it is, do you feel like influence has been something that do people want to listen to what you have to say, be around? You I think, I think my, my real gift is vision, just ideas. I mean, okay. I've, that, that, and, and those ideas are things that people want to listen to and get around. Right. And so your vision, you know? your ideas then require your weaknesses to have to be developed in order to sustain the vision. We, yeah. Areas of communication, connection, relationship, things that maybe I wasn't super comfortable with. Right. Because what I'm thinking, just thinking out loud here is how do you draw that line? Being, being in the, in the music world, if you can't sing to say that I'm going to be a, a singer, we would say, well, you don't have the singing, you're not, you don't have that gift. Mm -hmm. You know, and you were talking a second ago that even if you don't have the gift or it's not something that you have, you know, to not check God's ability to do the impossible out of the yet. I I don't I mean there's not less. I can't even count on a hand people that couldn't sing and all of a sudden they can sing. You know right. what I mean? Sing. Yeah. And that's something that you can see. Other giftings you cannot see. Right. Where Where does the line get drawn? I hear what you're saying that it, your gift of vision, your gift of. Uh, uh, being being a dreamer, right? Ideas. Mm -hmm. It requires you to have to develop things that maybe you're not good at. Right. Where does that line get drawn? To where you to where the line between no, this is not going to happen. And right. Right. I, well, and I think um, that there's really two. I think goals. Like if you, for example, today earlier mm -hmm. today. I was with a woman, businesswoman here in Fresno, awesome woman, older lady. Yeah. And I said, Hey, will you, will you please pray for me? And she said, Oh no, I, I couldn't do that. Um, I, I, uh, I don't have that talent. It's not a talent I've been given. I'm, I'm not able to do that. That was her real answer. Uh -huh. And, um, and I said, well, I don't think that's a talent yeah. at, at all. I think it's a conversation. Um, you know, I think maybe this is an opportunity for you to do something that you don't think you're very good at, would you please? I think that would be awesome. And she did. And so she prayed for me and, and one of my other guys and, uh, and, and it was fine. You know, it was an awesome prayer. I was thankful for it. Um, I, and, and, uh, and so I think that, uh, in, you know, if you maybe don't feel comfortable singing, if you suck at singing, um, I think you should still sing anyway. Mm -hmm. Now you probably won't make a living singing. Um, but, uh, um, but I don't think that should stop you. And, uh, and I think, I think the same is, is true for evangelism that, you know, if you maybe don't feel like you're as gifted as, mm -hmm. uh, Maddie Montgomery or mm -hmm. Todd White or, or somebody that you think is really eloquent or gifted at evangelism, um, I think you should, you should still do it. I mean, mm -hmm. there's a, there's a, a unique perspective that you have that nobody else has. Yeah. And, um, and somebody that would maybe be totally closed off to me and the way that I would communicate yeah. the gospel might, might absolutely get transformed by by yeah. them and the way that they do it and so you know i think that um 
to just move ourselves completely out of a, a thing or right. an opportunity because well that's just not me I, right my person that doesn't fit my personality is to put a, a, a limit on what god might be able to do for us yeah like my wife is not a good singer but when she sings it my whole house lights up the kids love it they yeah. start smiling and running into the room and you know and i it blesses my my heart and it it has i mean she's probably blessed me more than any other singer in the world mm-hmm and she's never put out an album and what never written a song. about the singers when they sing, though, and you're like, that's not blessing me. Could you please stop? <laughs> I, I don't know that I've ever heard one of those. Oh, you, I've heard plenty. You heard Wesley <laughs> Willis earlier. That blessed you. <laughs> that did bless. Yeah, I guess that's how you define the, the yeah, blessing. That's right. But what you're, I mean, you're getting at, just not writing off the areas that you don't feel like you're you're good enough at. Right. Keeping the door like open. Like, if it's an that, important thing to do, you should do it whether you feel competent or not. Mm-hmm. You know? I think that's the point. Has that been a big component of, of how you've lived your life? Without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like I am a, surrounded by such unbelievable, amazing leaders, pastors, ministers. It's it's kind of a, a funny thing to see myself like on a poster yeah. or on a stage with some of these amazing people that I've mm-hmm. admired so deeply through the years and think, gosh, I'm for sure the least qualified person mm-hmm. to be here. But the truth is, that all of your greatest ministers, all of your greatest leaders, nobody feels like so true. I got this. Yeah. I deserve this. You know, like yeah. I have put in the work. Yeah. I got the degree. You know, I've studied hard yeah. enough. I deserve to be here and everybody should listen to what I have to yeah. say. Nobody feels like that. Not in business, not yeah. in um, academia, not in Maybe in academia, yeah. <laughs> not not in ministry. <laughs> I am smart. That's that's where people that's where people who think like that go. But no normal people <laughs> actually feel like yeah. you. Everybody should listen to what I have to say. Yeah. And like that's the that's the big secret is you see people that are doing things at a high level and you think, dude, that's so that's the misconception. Right? These people are so confident in themselves and they're so amazing, and uh, and they have some kind of mysterious qualification that I don't have. And if I did, then I could do what they do. But the truth is that we just think the message is worth feeling uncomfortable. For. Yeah. You know, we think fighting that what, for what you believe yeah, in, that what we stand for is worth standing for. Even if, you know, there are other more qualified people out there that could do it. Well, they're not here right now. So yeah. you got me. Um, and so that's a, you know, that's the, I, yeah. I think the attitude that, that we have to have if we're going to have any type of actual impact in the world around us. How did you find that thing for you when you talk about the thing that like, man, it's just, it's, it's work. People feel that in business. People feel that in different areas that they're called to this, you know, the marketplace or whatever that they feel like, no, this, somebody needs to be doing this here. You feel that yeah. about ministry and evangelism. Right. How did you, did you, did you always know that? Did you stumble into it? No, Was there a- you know, I, um. I just wanted to see the world. I was trying to find a way to just watch it. That's where it started. I thought it was beautiful. And, uh-huh. and so I, when I joined the band, I, um, I thought, well, God's given me a talent and an opportunity and I want to use it for his glory. So I'm going to preach the gospel on stage. And I, I did that the first night in 2007, I preached the gospel on stage, um, at a concert of this band that I played in. And, um, after after the show, this kid named Jacob came up and he pulled me aside and he said, hey, you talked about uh, like a relationship with God. He said, I believe that there is a God, but what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And I kind of explained it to him and I said, hey, and then the best part is you can have a relationship with God starting right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he said, 
I want that. So we went out of the venue and stood next to a dumpster and an alley behind a music venue in Minnesota. And this kid gave his life to Jesus. Mm. We just, you know, I led him in a simple prayer and he probably said a cuss word, you know, during yeah. the conversation and it, it wasn't, you know, it was messy. And, um, and, and then we walked back in the venue and he gave me a hug and said, thanks so much. And, and I, he ran away to go find his friends. And I sort of was standing there in the backstage area thinking, I want to do that forever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no that matter what moment, it costs, like that's you. the moment I like, this is what I want the wow. rest of my life to be like. So, um, yeah, I think that was the moment for me. And, and, you know, it's cool now seeing honestly, even more than him getting born again, uh -huh. it was, and, and maybe I don't want to say more, maybe in a broader sense than just him making the decision to follow Christ for the first time. The thing that, that, got me or the thing that that awakened in my heart in that moment was uh to see someone make a decision mm. for a new life mm. and and so i i get to see people often who are saved already who are walking with god already come into a moment of decision and to make a decision for, for to have a new life to to go to a new dimension uh, you know to to devote themselves in a deeper way than they ever have before and so yeah. it's really gotten uh, broad or, or it's really broader than just seeing people come to Christ, but to see people say, I know there's a better life for me and I'm going to choose that right now. Yeah. Um, that to me, there's nothing, nothing in the world that's better. So you look back on that. That's something that obviously fuels, fuels you, right? I mean, Without a doubt. Yeah. Do you have moments where you, um, are discouraged? Do you have moments where you want to, Oh yeah. I mean, people, because when you hear say, people say... I would say intimidated probably more than discouraged. Really? Yeah. Which is, you know, I've got a neck tattoo. It's probably hard to believe. I yeah. would never get intimidated. <laughs> you get intimidated? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, By what? It's what? What is the... In well, it's just, you know, sometimes it's the, the environment. Like uh -huh. today, I, I, as I said, I was in the the bank. Yeah. And this guy's talking, to, you know, he's looking right at my bank account and he knows how much money I have and... It's very quiet in there and everybody in the branch can hear what I'm saying. And I'm talking to this guy about his eternity. And, you know, the weirdness of that moment tends to kind of bear down on mm -hmm. you and you feel like, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. And, you know, is it really worth it in this moment? Is it awkward? Is it uncomfortable? And obviously I try to be as absolutely respectful and honorable as I can. And if he's really resisting the conversation, then yeah. no worries. But, uh, um, you know, I, um, uh, I think, um, that there's the, you know, there's a, 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 always a, that voice of intimidation kind of perched on my shoulder saying, you know, you don't, you're not good enough at this. Or, mm -hmm. um, the girl that I told you about in the airport, um, you know, my flight was boarding yeah. and there were other customers in her store and I had, a just spilled some salsa on my shirt <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and my breath was bad. Uh -huh. I just eaten like a burrito or something. And, you know, I had like a long list of reasons that I probably shouldn't have this yeah. conversation right now. But I thought, well, I'm going to give it a, a shot. And, and she gave her life to Christ. Mm. And, uh, you know, I think that in our, the you know, the biggest opposition we face uh, in in evangelism or any other area that we put ourselves out there is, is internal. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've never faced criticism from anyone else like I have myself. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I've never had anybody after I make a mistake, follow me down the street and say, you idiot, how could yeah. you possibly have done that? That's, that's me. Right. Right. And so, um, 
I, uh, you know, that sort of insecurity or intimidation is, uh, is something that voice of intimidation is something that, you know, tells us, you know, you stepped out once and you right. messed it up. You better never do that again. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah, that's something, I mean, even still I've led tens of thousands of people to Christ in my life. And I still, every single time have to fight my way through that, that internal conversation. Do you only deal with, do you deal with it more one-on-one? Do you deal with it in public settings as well? Or is it mainly in the day-to-day one-on-one? Like evangel, yeah, evangel- I mean, you, yeah, I mean, you're doing other things. You're ministering. You're preaching. Yeah, oh, you're- it's it's both. I mean, uh, obviously, I I preach at big events and churches and conferences and things, but I feel like if I can't take the time to have a meaningful conversation with the guy at the bank yeah. or the airport, then I, I probably don't have any business trying to have a meaningful conversation with ten thousand people in a stadium. So, how do you deal with the intimidation? Do you just muscle through it? Is it just yeah? Go for I think it? I think it's it's just about believing that the um the message is more important than my comfort yeah you know or if if it's in business it's about believing that the product is more important than my like the potential for success it out the excitement of the potential for the success outweighs the Mm -hmm. the the fear of the potential for failure yeah um and if that's I think if that's the case, then you're you're already guaranteed success. If you if you just won't quit, you can you can sell any product yeah. to some to some to yeah. someone, and uh, and so if you know if you if you've got a passion and a belief in what it is you're doing, um, that is bigger than or that it you know if if the voice of your passion is louder than the voice of your insecurity or yeah. intimidation, uh, you're going to be awesome. It's only a matter of time. How many how many years were you guys actually on the road when you were with the band? Uh, a little over nine years, so close nine close years. to ten years. Yeah. If you look back, what do you what do you think you what did you learn most from that season in your life? What's the greatest lesson that that it taught you? It's hard. It's kind of hard. I think yeah. to, to narrow it down to to one. Um, I think. I think it it taught me that you can actually do anything if you're willing to pay the price really uh like i could become a brain surgeon if i wanted you know i mean it'd take a while and a lot of money and hard work but i could do that i mean i i became the screamer in a metal band yeah and made a living for my family and preached the gospel all over the world those things don't go together that's not possible (laughs) um but we poured our heart and soul into it and um and i think the idea that passion unlocks opportunity is um is one that we we really put to the test Mm -hmm. and and it and it does um and and so i think yeah if i had to put it in a td jake's quality statement it would be that passion unlocks opportunity yeah um and and if we can find something that moves us that keeps us up at night that is worth i mean we paid the price. I have slept on probably thousands of floors during the time in the band. You know, we spent the first several years not making any money. We, we made $5 every other day. I had to be able wow. to eat on $2 and 50 cents a day. Um, that's, that's how much money I made when my wife and I got married. Wow. Um, and so, you know, we have, we were, she and I were homeless, just staying at friends' houses for the first two, two and a half years of our marriage. Really? Yeah. Uh, you know, we, was there never a time during that when she's like, okay, this is, you need to do something else? Well, that's why it was only two and a half years. 
<laughs> See, we, I, that was, I got some money and, I, and we got an apartment at that point. But, um, you know, I was making $12,000 a year when I got, when I got married, um, or short, the, like a year or two into my marriage. And, and so, you know, there were a lot of sacrifices that we made a lot of times my, that my wife and I both shared a bench in a, a, a van while we were driving overnight to the next venue for the opportunity to share the gospel with some kids that might not hear it otherwise. For you, it was always about the gospel. It wasn't about the music, huh? I mean, it oh, sounds yeah, like, absolutely. I mean, every, I would think that you're going to talk about the music or no, talk about, it was just all about. I don't care. I didn't really care. I mean, I don't, didn't listen to that kind of music. You really. didn't? No. Really? Well, I just heard it so much at venues and, you know, it's like if you, if you work at Taco Bell, you don't want to eat Taco Bell. All the yeah, time, yeah. You know, it's, yeah. so, um. I, I did growing up listen to that kind of music, so I, I knew how it's supposed to be. But in my own time, I never listened to, to that kind of music. Um, but we, yeah, we paid the price to to do it. I mean, it was something that we were passionate about. Because you were about. so passionate about yeah, it. Yeah. And it's, and it was, we never batted an eye. You know, we never complained. It was, yeah, if I have to sleep on a floor and, you know, spend the night in a van driving across the country. But at the end of that, I get to preach the gospel to kids that would never hear it. If Did it, you never struggle with like, this is, this can't be it. Like, my, I don't know. My back, I think, <laughs> struggled more than my heart did. Because <laughs> I, I but, mean, uh, so many people, I mean, we, you, when you think about if it's that easy, you could do anything if you're willing to put in the work. So many people, when, I mean, two years of that type of, of living, um, most people would be like, yeah, I'm going to find something else to do. Totally. Um, for you, you didn't, what is the key to finding well, that? You know what? I would even take it. I, I would say this, I think you can, you can do anything if uh, you're willing to put in the work, but you might not be able to do anything for a living. Mm -hmm. If yeah. you, even if you do put in the work, right? Like if you want to put in work to become a singer, that's great people may never pay to hear you sing. Right, yeah. And you've got to be okay with that, yeah. you know? If you want to put in the work to be an actor, like, cool, that's awesome. Have fun putting in the work. It's yeah. great. But uh, um, but you don't, you know, you may never get a, a star, you know, a starring role in a Hollywood movie. Right. Um, and so, I, you know, I think that there's, I think we have to understand that sometimes there are also opportunities that present themselves that we can become passionate about. Um, passion is not just uh, something that falls from the sky arbitrarily. It's actually something that we can create. Yeah. Uh, and so if, if, if uh, what we do, I mean, if you're a plumber, you can be passionate about that work. Mm -hmm. It can make a way for your family. That's an amazing thing. It yeah. can make a way for you to be able to invest in the kingdom. You can get into people's homes and help them in crazy situations and, um, you know, meet amazing, interesting people and, and, uh, and, and fix a problem that they're having and, and swoop in like a real life superhero with yeah. a plunger, you know, and just do like, you, you can be whatever your, your job is. You can be passionate about that. And so I, I, what I, it's, I feel like it's important that I say, um, don't that, uh, that what I'm saying is, is not, um, you can accomplish anything if you're just, right. if it's just what you love, right. Um, I, I'm saying that uh, that if you put your love into what you do, um, it, that uh, that there's not there's not anything you can't enjoy, thrive with, be blessed in. Even if you even if you don't have a lot, is even right. Even if you yeah, if you're willing yeah. to sleep on floors. And, you say that passion yeah. is something we can create. How do you how do you create passion? What do you mean by that? 
Um, well, I think it's... There's issue. a lot of people that say, right. like, right, like, well, I'm just not passionate about that. Right. Well, I think it's an issue of perspective. Uh -huh. um, one of the most common examples that I give, this may get a little graphic, is... Um, get graphic. Is uh, is marriage, right? Uh -huh. And uh, sometimes I'll counsel couples that feel like we just aren't passionate about each other. Mm -hmm. You know, we have been in marriage for a couple of years and or we just got married and it just feels like there's no flame, no spark, no passion. Um, how can we make that? And I tell them, well, what you guys are after is love and, and you can make that. In fact, there's an act called making love. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and it creates passion for the person on the other end of that activity. Um, and so you can, you can create it. And, and I think that being, um, focused and committed and intimately connected to what it is you're doing is a great way to create passion, whether that's in marriage or in business or ministry or any other, any other area that, when I'm not, you know, working my job, but always kind of looking at that other thing I'd rather be doing or spending time with my wife, but always kind of, you know, scrolling through pictures on the internet of girls I'd rather be with, mm -hmm. or, um, you know, when I'm, uh, when I'm not, uh, uh, when I'm, but when I'm focused on what it is that God's given me to do and I'm grateful for it and I'm exploring all of the intricacies and the, um, the, the depth and the possibilities of what it is I'm doing, we can find a passion for what we do that we never thought possible right. when we were just having a kind of surface relationship with so it. So it's looking what beyond the task, like you think about like a, right. like a, say you're a mailman and you're like, I'm just not passionate about my job. Right. It's looking beyond the task of you're seeing yourself as just somebody that delivers mail. Right. And figuring out a way to actually engage something you are passionate about within your work. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Makes a lot of sense. Do you, why did you decide that it was time to end the band? Uh, I just wasn't passionate. <laughs> <laughs> just wasn't passionate about it anymore. Well, you know, you can create passion. That's right. So that, this is, that's great. This is actually a great next step for the conversation because I had been on in this band for nine years uh -huh. and we had traveled all over the world and we had done so many unbelievable things more than we could ever have imagined. And I showed up for a tour as I had done hundreds of other times. And I, I played a couple shows as I had done thousands of other times. And, um, and it didn't feel like it fit anymore. Um, and that's not bad. You know, it's yeah. not like I hated the guys in the band or was angry or bitter or anything like that. It, it felt like, I used to walk on stage and say, man, I love my job. This is the best thing in the world. I'm made for this. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I walked on stage and I said, let's get this over with. Mm -hmm. um, and so I actually spent about, about the next four weeks, I told some friends of mine that I really trust, here's what's going on. And I'm praying that God would either tell me clearly it's, it's time for you to be done with the band or change my heart, like make me passionate right. about this. And so I spent four weeks saying, God, you know, I want to love these kids. I don't want this to just be a, a job. Like, you know, give me, make me weep for this opportunity. I'm thankful for it. I'm grateful for it. Yeah. It just, it feels like it just doesn't fit anymore. It looks like a shirt that shrunk in the wash. Yeah. And so uh, at the end of the tour, 
I was like, God, what in the world? Four weeks later, what, you know, it's, it's been great. The tour has been awesome. People have been born again every day. We are having great conversations with the other bands, with each other. We're having fun. Everything's awesome. But, but what's the issue? And, and eventually it, it became evident that God was saying, um, it, there's nothing wrong with this. Cause I was looking for what's wrong. Right. You know, are you moving me away because someone's in sin or I'm, mm-hmm. my heart's not right toward this or something's going on. And, um, and I felt God say, no, it wasn't, there's nothing wrong with this. I'm moving you away because you've done everything I sent you to do. Mm. You're just done. And that's it. You know, it's yeah. not, it's not, uh, I sent you to this band in 2007 and it's 2016 and you've accomplished what I sent you to do. Um, and so that to me was, was a great piece that it, it wasn't running away from something and it wasn't something broken that can't be fixed. And so yeah. I'm escaping this, you know, sinful band, you know, um, yeah. it's nothing like that. We were all still doing well with each other, doing well with the Lord. The ministry was doing great. The shows were awesome, but God said, I sent you to do a task in 2007 and you did it well done. Good and faithful servant, yeah. you know? And, and so he said, it's time for you guys to do a farewell tour. You know, we're going to do a farewell tour. We did a three month long, what was it? Three months and 12 or 13 different countries, 71 shows wow. all around the world. And um, we did this, this long farewell tour to just see all of our fans one last time and yeah. tell them this was never about grabbing money and trying to get popular. This was about Jesus. We love you. You know, the movement doesn't have to end what our band does. You can carry the gospel too. And so, um, we got to do that and, and it was awesome. Yeah. Um, but we, we finished. So did you immediately know what you're going to do next? No. Yeah. I'm still so you, figuring it out. You ended it, you ended it without knowing. Well, now you have, you have a ministry I do, school, yeah. right? And all so that. I actually, I, um, right after God said, yeah, it's time for you to leave. I, I was, I thought, well, what am I going to do next? And he said, let's talk about that when you're done. Hmm. And so people would ask all the time, Matty, what's next? And I, I've heard, uh, Damon Thompson say something about being delivered from momentum years ago. You mm-hmm. feel like you got to strike while the iron's hot. And that kind of kept rattling around in my spirit. Like I don't have to capitalize on, right, on you the, know, now I'm, I'm doing all these interviews right, and everybody wants to, to know what's next, yeah. you know, and I could have planted a church after that with a whole bunch yeah. of kids who just were begging me to get back in my band yeah. and it would have yeah. been the worst. <laughs> It's so, uh, so I didn't. Right. And, uh, and I, people would ask me, what are you going to do next? And I said, I'm going to take my wife on a date and then I'm going to take my kids to the park and then we'll see after that. Yeah. And so I really did. I, like I came home and just hung out with my family for months after that. Yeah. Uh, and it was awesome. We, on, after the very last show, we were driving to, uh, to our house and we stopped and watched a star Wars movie, we stopped and watched rogue one. And, yeah. You know, and just walked around and, and we like didn't have anywhere to be. We weren't, you know, trying to maximize the excitement of our time together because daddy had to leave again in right. two days, which was a pretty cool feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what does your ministry school do? What do you do? So we have a an online school mm-hmm. of evangelism called BASE mm-hmm. and uh, and it's a an eight week course uh, that people get. We have had like, what, 325 students last year. Wow. Uh, from all over the world, which is really cool. And it's cool because this this community of people forms. People from yeah. Australia are becoming friends with people from Germany and people from the States. And and so they're all meeting each other and cheering each other on. People sharing testimonies and prayer requests and stuff. And that's really cool. But uh, it's an eight-week course where um, 
that we're still, it changes every year what it looks like, but where we just talk about actually some of the stuff that we talked about today, practical evangelism tips, uh, you know, what it looks like, how, how to go about starting a conversation about the gospel. I mean, I've found that most Christians don't even really know what the gospel is. Yeah. If you were to ask them, what do I need to know to be saved? They would say, well, just come to church with me and yeah. let the pastor tell you. Right. And so we, we talk a lot about gospel theology and then we, we try to push our students to figure out how to explain the doctrine of regeneration mm-hmm. in a, um, everyday language you simple know? way yeah without using the word regeneration Regen- like <laughs> yeah. talk to someone who doesn't know about the yeah. doctrine of regeneration yeah. about the doctrine of regeneration right. without using that word and so um you know doing those types of exercises and just getting them to where is it interactive then is it or is it it is uh so it's video it's all video stuff with okay. with me and some of the other team and um even some guest people but uh there is uh there's homework assignments every week and then um, we assign a coach to all the students oh, wow. who is a past student that was just, that was awesome. So yeah. they're able to kind of have somebody that walks with them through the process and someone they can bounce ideas off of and commiserate with if it goes bad and celebrate with if it, if it goes good. So yeah. that's a, a good, a good uh, dimension of the thing is, is that everybody has someone that they can call or text or email yeah. about how it's going for them. That's awesome. Yeah. What do you have on the horizon? What's, what's, what's next? Still just going to the park and uh, yeah, taking your wife on taking dates. my wife on dates, going to the park. Those lights on. have been off the whole time. We got to start clear. over from the beginning. Restart the clock. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, what's next is that um, I, for the I lead a ministry called Awakening Evangelism. We mm-hmm. have an online school of evangelism. I love evangelism. Yeah, and and yet for the last two years. God's had me preaching on almost exclusively on worship and family. And I've been saying any gospel that leads someone into uh, a, a new worldview or, um, or a new um, lifestyle, but not into a family mm-hmm. is less than the gospel that Jesus died for mm-hmm. us to preach. Um and I've, it's it's easy for me to say as the guy that comes in for a weekend at a time and then leaves, right? Right. And I feel like probably maybe I should have seen that it was the inevitable end that God would say, it's time to put your money where your mouth is. Mm-hmm. So uh, my wife and I and our ministry team and several other families from around the world, um, some missionary families from Ecuador, some ministry families from Australia, People from all over the states are moving to Johnson City, Tennessee in the summer of 2019 this year wow. to to go plant a new church. Awesome. Called The Altar. Is this public? Is it, have you talked about this before? No. Awesome. So that's really cool. Surprise. Um, and uh, and it's obviously it'll be a big learning experience for us. Yeah. Uh, last year, our ministry kind of adopted a a uh, missions organization called Ardeo Global. Uh-huh. Uh, now they've been around for 13 years and have planted 95 churches yeah. uh, all around South America. And in the next couple of years, they'll be branching out to uh, Asia and Europe as well. So um, uh, we are going to be hosting a, a missionary school there as well. Wow. Um, now I'm working to put together a curriculum. Other people are going to implement the curriculum that I, um, that I am building. And, um, and what they're going to do is uh, 
so, so we're going to have missionaries come in for three months at a time. And they're going to do three months of training and teaching on what is the kingdom? What is the gospel? Yeah. How can we share it effectively? If we're going to build a church, how can we make that a sustainable, healthy church that creates room for, you know, the hearing the voice of God, yeah. for the prophetic, for the supernatural, um, but is also uh, built with, with order and structure. And, yeah. um, and so uh, we're going to talk about those things for three months and then send them to another country to go learn the language and the culture and then live there for two years plant wow. and plant a new church. Uh, the goal for Ardeo Global is, is 10 years from now to have 10,000 missionaries mm. on the field planting at least 100 new churches every year. So it's it's kind of a wild thing. We're going to be a church plant and that on week one is already overseeing 95 other churches. Wow. Uh, so we're kind of, it's like, we're jumping on a treadmill that's already going full speed and kind of trying to keep our feet under us. But you got to learn your plate. Um, it's exciting, and and honestly, man, it's God is is bringing such incredible people around us yeah. that they're going to make it way way easier. My right. job is going to be to get vision and decide and direct. Yeah, and um and to take my wife on lots of dates mm -hmm. and to just help to to study and teach the word and awesome. and um and I think. That everything else is going to be someone else's job, which yeah. is which is uh, which is good. So, um, yeah, man, I'm I'm really excited about it. I think that it's, I, you know, we've I've done conferences and online schools and ministry schools and you name it, right? But I yeah. I, I, I just can't get away from the thought that the the local church is God's institution yeah. in the earth. That's what God built, and um, and it's a, a holy thing and a beautiful thing and. This message is a message that gathers people. It draws people. And my life has been so transient for so long that yeah. people just can't keep up. You know, they're watching YouTube videos right. and listening to um, MP3, sermon MP3s and those type of things. And that's great. I'm thankful that they're able to do that. But um, I think living in community and be, getting around families and really just growing up together is, um, is something that you just can't get on YouTube. Yeah. So. Awesome, man. Yeah. What I appreciate most about you, and I think what I've learned the most, just even in this conversation, that I uh, wholeheartedly admire is to hear how along your journey, you've never become a slave to what you do. There's so many people that just, yes, it's what I do. It's what I do. But you found this way to channel who you are and what your real ultimate passion is mm -hmm. through each season of your life. Yeah. And when you do that, you never become a prisoner to what you do. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank so, you, man. That I appreciate you. it. Thanks for dropping in for a podcast. Oh, my pleasure. I'm excited to hear what happens in the future. Oh, yes, sir. Me too. Thanks, brother. <laughs>